Hey, it's Karen Hunter from the Karen Hunter Show on Sirius XM Urban View. Here's a highlight from today's show. He is the man, the myth, the legend. He is the man with the plan. Partner in Ice Miller's Public Affairs Group. He's also uh, was once head of Credit Karma's Washington, D.C. office. Let me welcome my friend, Jared Lodholt. Welcome back. Hey, Karen. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Thank you for being here with Drew as well. I think that's my Morehouse brother, too. So, I mean, absolutely. Can't go wrong with that. Can't go wrong. Let me tell you. Uh, what you did last week and breaking down, was it last week or the week before? I don't remember. No, it's week. like all it was last week. week. Breaking down uh, the infrastructure bill and what was in it and why it benefited black people specifically was a master class and it was public a public service announcement. And I just want to say thank you for being able to communicate. You, I, don't know, I, I don't know why this can't be the standard, y'all. Uh, hey, Vice President and Biden and Harris administration, hire this man to go out and speak on your behalf because clearly messaging is a problem. Um, talk about what what you didn't get to say last week and then today, you know, this whole weekend with Joe Manchin right. going on, Fox talking about he's not going to vote for it and they need his vote for the Build Back right. Better plan because uh, he can, he didn't trust poor people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, just take take it away, Jared. This is tough. Yeah, no. So again, thank you again. I, you know, last week I think we talked a lot about the Investment in Infrastructure and Jobs Act. Like that's the long formal title for the infrastructure package, which is law, right? It is law now. It is being implemented in primarily the Department of Transportation, uh, FEMA, I think HUD has some provisions. So that's in law, right? Like that's in law. We're figuring out how we're going to get the money out and all this other stuff around the country. That's the federal, state, and local level. So that's law, right? What we didn't talk about was at that time, a $1.75 trillion proposal that the House passed, that was essentially everything else, right? So we had made this distinction between physical infrastructure and social infrastructure. But social infrastructure is a really weird term to describe what I think of the real basic things I think all of us rely on. That's education, care for our children and our elders, um, and housing, right? Like what I call human services, the things that sustain us, that was that other bill and climate change. Like there were massive investments in climate and Build Back Better. So Build Back Better was still kind of in the negotiation phase really between the White House and Joe Manchin. And then yesterday we got pretty, I'm not gonna call it surprising because I actually wasn't surprised by it, um, but a statement from Senator Manchin that he would not vote for the House passed version of Build Back Better. Um, and I'm probably the one of maybe three people in D.C. who actually thinks we can still get a deal of some sort later in 22, 2022. I don't think this is completely dead, but it is on life support. It is. But I think what's to your point, Karen, we got to talk about what's in the bill, because I think people need to know what they should be mad about and what they should be advocating for and what they should be looking for this administration to do and fix because there's a lot on the line. The stakes really are high. So what is it? Tell us, tell us what's in it. A lot. Let's go. Um, <laughs> a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. Unpack it. Um, Unpack it, Jared. So, so look, the question, so we'll start with healthcare, for example, right? <clears throat> we talked about this a little bit last week. A lot of people may not know in Medicare, like they don't, there's no dental benefit. You have to buy that separately. 
right? That, that's not included in like the basic package when you become 65, you get that, right? Hearing aids, right? Those are things that are supplemental now that you have to buy. And, and, and as I said last week, you know, hearing aid may cost a few thousand bucks. Well, I don't have that, right? And I may not have the money for supplemental coverage. There was a stat that, that has been burned into my brain about West Virginia that 25% of West Virginians over the age of 65 have no natural teeth. What? I'm gonna repeat that again because <laughs> I had the same response you had when I saw, what? I'm gonna say it again. 25% of West Virginians over the age of 65 have no natural teeth. So, well, when people say, well, I mean, look, you know, the people in his district, they vote, they do vote for him, right? And and quite, and they, Donald Trump won by 20, 30 points. I mean, I don't know how much, but the fact of the matter is in West Virginia, these are folks that would benefit directly from what's in the bill, but they may not know, right? They may think that Joe Manchin really is fighting a good fight against inflation or whatever. But at the end of the day, you're not going to the dentist because it costs too much. You can't afford the copay. You can't afford what it takes to do that in your Medicare right now doesn't cover that. You right. got to get supplemental insurance to cover that. But you got a state where one in four seniors have no natural teeth. So I kind of want to sear into people's brains like what we're really fighting about are really basic things like insulin, right? We're going to cap the copay at insulin at $35. How many people do you know? that are gonna make a choice between insulin and food, right? Like right. This, this is what we're talking about, right? So it's, it's one of those things where there's so much in the bill and Drew and I were talking about this during the break, like there's so much here that matters to so many people that the answer for Democrats can't be, oh, he said no. It's like, all right, cool. Well, one, Schumer, you know, uh, leader Schumer's already said, we're gonna put this to a vote anyway. And so you get on the vote, you get on the record saying, no, you got to explain that. I actually don't think that moves Joe Manchin, right? I don't either. No, I, I don't think say, he can shame him. He don't care. I don't think he has any shame in it. I don't think that moves him. Um, but here's what he did say. And I think there's some, I won't call them conflicting reports, but things that we've seen in the news since he said what he said on Fox News Sunday yesterday. It's my understanding that there's a 1.8-ish trillion deal that Manchin himself had presented to the White House at one point in time for what he thinks Build Back Better should be, right? So there's one, there's actually a Manchin Build Back Better version. Hold I'm on, not, no, Jared. Hold, hold, I, I ain't vote for Joe Man. How the hell does he get to have that much power? Because he's, he's the From a state that, listen, why do you get to, to be the one? Like you, this, oh, this is so frustrating. It's apartheid. It's, it's, it's what apartheid looked like, right? Like a tiny, 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 minuscule bit of representation making outsized decisions. So you know what y'all just described? You just described the United States Senate. The Senate, yes. That is the Senate, right? The Senate is a handful of sparsely populated states control the fate of the country, right? And the idea is the House should counteract that, but the House passed Build Back Better. That being said, it's still 50. And again, we're not talking filibuster. We're not in filibuster land because we've used a reconciliation process. So that 50th vote is the key. He is 50. He knows he's 50. And he's fully leveraging his power as number 50. 
And I, I mean, look, it's, it's, is it frustrating? Yes. Is that the political reality? Yes. So there's a looming question for this administration and for Leader Schumer. It's like, what are you going to do about it? Uh, and Joe Manchin has said, start the process over, run what get what got through the House through Senate committees. Okay. If you're doing by party line vote, I'm pretty sure you'd probably come to many of the same things, right? Like if you're running through the education committee, one of the things in the bill, Pell Grants. Yeah. We're expanding Pell Grants, right? Who do y'all think benefits disproportionately from Pell Grants? We all went to Black College, South Carolina State. I'm from South Carolina, you know, national black champions in football this weekend. We beat <laughs> Drew's, Drew's team, right? But these are institutions that rely significantly, right? When your student population may be 75, 80, 85% Pell eligible, right? This is more, this is even more money. So we talked about some of the money that's in here. I mean, you have billions of dollars for HBCUs in Build Back Better that UNCF, my good friend Rodriguez Murray, fought hard for those dollars to be in here and they're in limbo, right? And so I think Democrats, Democrats owe their voters figuring this out and what plan B is because plan A does look like it's on ice for some time. 866-801-8255. Jared Lowellholt is here. Um, how do we, and I, and I guess, you know, I want to remove the emotion because yeah. we are, you know, definitely in a, you know, everything's <clears throat> hot, you know, everything's hot. And right. the unmitigated gall of this man, the arrogance, the smugness, your, 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 your money, your, your wealth is in coal, something, a, a dying industry that is killing this country and a lot of human beings. And you're using your leverage in Congress to make sure that your wealth, your family's wealth continues. One man. There's something really insidious about that. But OK, we'll put that over here. That's why our ass has got to show up in 2022 and make sure that he will not be the 50th vote uh, in the Senate. We got to over index and vote all the senators we can vote in in Democratic. Um, but you, you're still hopeful. And I like that. What else is in this bill that you think will be saved and rescued? So, you know, honestly, I think the the housing provisions are pretty significant. Um, and I think that you don't you lose House votes because ultimately what would happen is whatever came out of the Senate would be dramatically different than or even I would say dramatically, probably significantly different than what came out of the House. Right. And so the House would have to vote again. So you've got to keep the House coalition together on whatever comes out of the Senate. And I can tell you, for example, if housing, there was a period of time when we thought that went, because remember that number went from 6 trillion to 3.5 and then mm-hmm. 3.5 went to 1.75. Uh, and there was a concern when it went from 3.5 to 1.75 that we'd lose the housing provisions that are really crucial. So when I say the housing provisions, like what are we talking about? We're talking about $15 billion for the housing trust fund. It's a trust fund that goes through state agencies, but what it does, preserves and rehabs housing. $10 billion for the home investment program. Again, that's housing money. $10 billion for first generation down payment assistance program. Again, who needs that? Who's going to benefit from that? I think we know who that is. Mm-hmm. There's money for senior housing. $2 billion to finance green preservation of HUD housing. So we're talking about how do you make public housing sustainable? One, you renew it. You actually, right. you actually spend time and money for the deferred maintenance, our public housing, I think, has had to suffer through for decades. This bill would have done more in a single piece of legislation, probably than any 
years of budgets combined around deferred maintenance. So you think about places like New York City, Atlanta, massive public housing uh, agencies where we got massive infusions of dollars. Um, you got the other thing, out. hey, Jerry, one, Jerry, one of the things that you said, and I don't want to cut you off with that. I think that no, people that people um, may not also get is that, you know, that house that's next door to Big Mama's house in um, right. that Big Mama still owns. That's that is like that looks boarded up or it's got a, a whole bunch of crap out in front of it. Part of those provisions, too, would give municipalities the money to clean those spaces up. Yeah. So that your neighborhoods, older neighborhoods, particularly neighborhoods like the one I live in, which is an old black neighborhood in Atlanta, somebody will come in and clean that up, right? That will restore some of those spaces that if the house is abandoned and torn down, they'll raise the lot so that somebody will actually be more uh, inclined to come and buy that lot so it doesn't lower your property value, that Absolutely. kind of stuff. Look. In the Build Back Better, there's something called the Neighborhood Housing Tax Credit, right? Brand new tax credit that would work precisely to the point you're making. It would give local governments and private developers tax credits that they could use to restore and stabilize housing. If you go to places, any, I mean, it's any city in America now, unless you're living in a handful of places. I said, I'm from Orangeburg. You go through some of the neighborhoods I grew up in, empty. Folks died, the kids live somewhere else. I mean, that's anybody, that's Akron. I mean, I can think of a million places in the country where it's like, look, there's a whole generation of young folks who want to buy houses. Oh, but they can't for any of a number of reasons. This bill would one, help you afford their down payment and two, increase the supply of housing. Because one of the reasons why people can't afford a house, it costs too much. They cost too much because there are way more people looking for housing than our housing inventory. And what this bill did that no bill quite frankly, has done in the history of this country is dramatically expanded the supply of housing. We talk a lot about vouchers, which are good and they're necessary and they're in this bill too. But one of the things that we've not done in this country and I think we all found during COVID where people were moving and wanting to buy houses was there were no houses to buy. And a part of what this bill did was put trillions of dollars in, well, billions of dollars that would have had once you leverage with private financing, potentially trillions of dollars in building more housing. So again, Build Back Better wasn't just a phrase. It was actually like, this is actually what, what we're gonna do with this money. And again, now that's very much in limbo. But again, to your point, local governments need money to buy distressed properties, put them in land banks and sell them at reduced prices to developers, but also private citizens who fix them up themselves. Yep. And this money would have allowed people to do that. 866-801-8255. Jared Lold Holt is here. Lold Holt. Um, tell me what you're optimistic about. You know, as as you, yeah. you know, went through last week, we got one thing done. And that's gonna help a whole lot of people and it's gonna change a whole lot of lives. And as I said last last week, uh, my only fear is that, you know, it's gonna take a few years for some of this stuff to go into effect. And the people who are gonna benefit from it the most won't see the benefit until Joe Biden's, you know, term is up and then the next guy gets credit or woman. Um, what are you optimistic about, Jared? So, you know, it's hard to be optimistic these days, but I, I try to be optimistic. Uh, the motto in South Carolina is as I breathe, I hope. Right. And so I'm still breathing. So I've got hope out there that I think folks will see where we are, which is this could be a very dark 
second half of the Biden term, right? If you lose both chambers in part because people don't have anything to sell to their constituents next fall, right? And mm-hmm. you already start to see this to some degree, right? You've seen some, demo- you're going to see a wave of Democratic retirements in the next two weeks because a lot of Democratic members of the House have said, I can't win my district in this environment, right? That's that's wow. essentially what they're saying. They're going to say, Stephanie Young, Florida, just keep an eye out. You're not going to see them all reported on the news, but they're going to be on Twitter. You're going to see more and more retirements. Some of the retirements come from redistricting, right? With yeah. Ed Butterfield, North Carolina, got drawn out of his district, right? Went from Wait, a safe the, seat. the former uh, head of the CDC? He's retiring. Oh, wow. wow. Uh, yes, he's retiring. But again, wow. why the maps in North Carolina changed? Why they changed? You got North Carolina Republican legislature who drew them out. Oh, half, so, of the, half of the black folks I know that all, work in policy have yeah, come through Butterfield. Butterfield's office or yes. Wow. Yeah. So I say that to say now, what am I optimistic about? One, I think every Democrat woke up this morning in Washington knowing their back was against the wall. And the projections of what a doomsday November 22 looked like should get people back to the table. And now it's going to be on terms that I think we're not going to love. But one of those terms is I think Joe Manchin is going to get to dictate what a Build Back Better largely looks like. Right. Mm-hmm. And I don't think any look. And, and I know some folks have been like, man, he has too much power. Like the Malcolm X movie. No man should have this much power. Yeah. I get that sentiment. And that's really where Charlemagne's question came from was people look out and they see one man dictating the terms, but he's the 50th vote. That's a political reality. At the end of the day, politics is math and the math is 50. And so and, and Obamacare was like that. If you look at if you look at the Affordable Care Act, it was rife with strange provisions that don't make a lot of sense because they were a bunch of political compromises to get to 50. Mm. And Build Back Better is going to look a lot more like politically. So, mm-hmm. so what does that mean, right? What that means is the House passed version, number one, has to get through the parliamentarian. That's not even happened yet, right? But you're going to probably lose paid family leave. You're going to probably lose immigration. Immigration, mm. right? Yeah. That's, that's, that's where that's going to happen. Then I think, and I'll just be candid, like with Manchin. You're going to lose some of that climate. Right? So the question is, which parts? Which yeah. parts do you lose? And so what's in there? The climate section really is a lot of tax credits. If you look at what's in the climate section, a lot of it is tax credits for electric vehicles, um, solar and that kind of thing. So I sell that to say, maybe the answer is this, this administration says, all right, we won't put them in Build Back Better. They're tax credits though. We have a tax extenders package. We pass every con- like we find other vehicles. As people, mm-hmm. You work in my industry, if you can't get something in one bill, you put it in another, right? If there are things that you lose and build back better, then you put those in the FY23 budget. We're not without options, right? But I do think that it is incumbent upon this administration, this White House, to articulate what the per- what the path forward is. Because right now, what we have is Sunday, Senator Manchin comes out with his statement. A few hours later, the White House comes out saying, basically, he said he was with us before he wasn't. We didn't know this was happening. And I'll be honest with you, that's a whole lot of finger pointing. And at the end of the day, the legislative process in Washington is sausage making. People get up from the vet negotiating table every day and come right back a few weeks later. And so what Manchin has done, and I think what is not kind of in the subsects of what he's done is 
He's like, look, I don't like what passed the house. Y'all not going to force me to vote this out before Christmas. Um, and we're going to talk about this next year. Oh, and by the way, the Senate committees didn't get a chance to pass this out. House committees had their chance to do a bill. The Senate didn't do their bill. So I think a part of this is kind of this really, again, this is D.C. Nobody outside of D.C. thinks this makes any sense because it really does. Because um, I think the end result won't look that much different. But he's trying to make a procedural argument about this didn't come through the House. I'm through the Senate. I think ultimately Senator Manchin takes issue with the climate provisions and folks having money. I mean, you saw an article yeah. in HuffPost today <laughs> that he probably felt like people were spending money on meth. Drugs. Whatever, yeah. Right? yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, look, I'll be honest with you. The facts are obvious. We know what folks who don't, who got the money spending on rent, phone bills, school supplies, clothes for their kids. Yeah, gas. Right. Yeah, but but that I that mean, sentiment, like, but that sentiment. A lo- wait, hold. On. A lot of Americans feel that I work hard and my taxpayer dollars going to somebody who's going to just spend the money on drugs and and shrimp on Fridays. Eight six six eight zero one eight two five five. Let's take a couple calls. We only have a couple more minutes left, and I would love to hold you over. Uh, but I want to take Colette in Los Angeles. Jared Loholt is here. Drew McCaskill is here. Colette in Los Angeles. Welcome. Welcome. Hi, Karen. Hey. So my, my problem with this is um, I, I believe this is an but he's laying it out. I, I It's there. But you know what? It, you have to there's got to be more emotion in this because it's not about business as usual, because at the end of the day, it's white supremacy. You can have Democratic neoliberal white supremacy. It doesn't matter what side it is on. At the end of the day, Joe Biden has to do something. Forget backs against the wall. He's the leader. He must lead. And we are there. because What, what does that look is, like, though? He has to do do what? Okay, uh, what it looks like is us having a Roosevelt make-me moment. And we, as people in this country who have put him in office, must demand from the Black Caucus and every elected official that we put in office that they get themselves in gear to go to battle you got to take some blows you got to do it we're going to have to have get rid of the filibuster forget reconciliation there's some things that are going to have to happen and people are going to get cut they just got to and it's time they can't just get out of it and you know it's like the cartoon wiley coyote over and over again they sit down and have dinner that's over we have to stand up we have to demand you know it can't be on the backs of a few people joe madison etc we have to get make them do it that's well, Colette, uh, thank you for, for calling. But, you know, Jared, like you said, this is mostly sausage making. This is mostly, you know, and the problem, I think, is particularly in our community is we've had too much emotion, not enough understanding of how these things get done. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look, if emotion alone was all it took, I think we would have got this done a long time ago. Ben did it. You know, right. Like it, <laughs> now, look, and again, I get the frustration. I think we all feel it because I think we all know the stakes and what's in this legislation. But the fact is, Joe Manchin, Joe Biden's approval ratings in Virginia are in the 30s. Mm-hmm. And Joe Manchin sees his bill, his willingness to buck this administration and be an independent thinker as political currency for 2024 for him. Right. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. so it's kind of one of those things where it's like they folks were protesting. Like he can't walk anywhere in Washington. People have been out of his houseboat. People have been everywhere. They in his office. Like people have protested. They have been in his face. And what I think the re- the the reality is, 
there are priorities that matter to him that are not priorities of the majority. But because we have institutions like the Senate who are anti-democratic, right? I think we can all agree that the Senate is anti-democratic, but I feel the caller on that, right? Like we're all angry. I think people want things done, but I think at the end of the day, Joe Biden is kind of stuck. I mean, it's, it's, it's unfortunate reality, but it's like, well, what will get you to 50? We are on target. We brought Jared Lodeholt back to inform us. The man actually read all of the pages in the Build Back Better and uh, the infrastructure bill. And we are here talking about it with the one and only Drew McCaskill. We got a bunch of callers. Um, he's optimistic, Jared Lodeholt, that something will get done. I don't know. I hate that it's in this hand, the, the hand of one person like a Joe Manchin. And he's so smug and he's a Virgo. And he's just like sitting there like he's going to be, not, you know, he's not going to be moved. You know, you know what I'm saying? He is smug. That's that's what, one of the things that makes it worse. I think that's probably one of the things that makes oh. every dad gets under everybody else's skin about it, too. The the um, Jerry, one of the things that I just been dying to ask, too, is do you think that there's that there's a possibility that that we go we and revisit Manchin's um, Manchin's plan that he that he had sort of laid out? Because there's precedent for Manchin taking you know, basically something that holding up a bill that was presented and then saying, okay, well, here's my alternative and yeah. without all of the ethical considerations in it, yeah. right? Like we've seen him have precedent for that. Be like, hey, <clears throat> here's all of the stuff. Let's just take out all the ethical provisions and then I'll sign off on it. Yeah, I mean, he did that with voting rights, right? Like you yeah. had one and then he was like, ah, what about this, you know, smaller bill? And the irony was that smaller bill didn't get 10 Republicans over, right? And so yeah. it, it didn't work, right? Now, yeah. that being said, yes. I mean, I think the proposition that we're going to have with Bill Back Better is, do you want no bill or a smaller bill, right? And mm -hmm. I think the question is... How much smaller can it get, though? I mean, we already yeah. have gone from, like, almost four... To three to, yeah. No, look. I mean, Manchin said, now, this is what he said. He said in January, $1.5 trillion was his top line that he submitted to Schumer in January. Mm -hmm. And I think a part of this, and again, I think politics is always about subtext. I think a part of the subtext is he said in January what he would go for. He said in January what he would go for. Right. The party went on and said six, then six became three. He's always <laughs> like, that's not my number, right? And he's kind of waited until they brought the number closer to him. And then it began to the Senate, it was really his game. So I think again, at the end of the day, He's smug because he knows he's 50, but this yeah. is not over. I would say that if you ask a lobbyist in D.C., is this over? They're like, absolutely not. Affordable Care Act went through the same deal where it was pronounced dead like 10 times before it became law. Yeah. And so this will be that. This okay. will All be right. that. So I think I you get a smaller you. bill, but not a I don't think it's completely dead. No, well, I needed that hope today. Yeah, that only a little bit. You don't need a mustard seed, right? It's yeah, like, only, only the mustard seed. Come on, come on, come on, Sunday school. Bible. That's right. <laughs> uh, let's take some calls. People, people have questions for Jared, statements. Let's head over to Ke Kevin in Vegas. Las Vegas has a question about money that's already on the table. Hey, Kevin, welcome. Oh, oh, this is Kevin from Las Vegas. And, and I, I did have a question about I think the, that's uh, what I said. I said Kevin in Vegas. Okay. Kevin? Well, I'm, is it I'm Kevin or Kevin? I'm going to let it slide. 
No, don't it's let it slide. I want to say your name properly. Is it Kevin or Cabot? Because the call screen to put Cabot. Kevin. It's Cabot. Oh, it's Cabot That's from right. Twitter. Cabot th- that yes. always has these funny memes and always funny, got some funny. clapbacks. And that that's you. Oh, yes, ma'am. Okay, I'm all right. Because you came you came on very buttoned up, like your your last collar to your neck was buttoned. <laughs> that's not how you act on Twitter. Well, I got my tie <laughs> on today, and and it's and it and I'm I'm talking about business. So uh, okay, thank with you the, for with a D. Call. Business with a D. All right, but go ahead, Captain. <laughs> so, so there, there was, there's money already on the table. It kind of, you know, hopefully I'm not switching the topic. But uh, last week they had the uh, Freedmen's Bank Forum, and uh, earlier this year, yes. um, the Vice President, Secretary of Treasury, and uh, and Auntie Maxine got together to release federal funds for uh, quote unquote blacks. Um, um, minority-owned businesses and, and other um, lower-income areas, I guess. I, my question is, is, is that money, and the, the, the CDFIs and the MDIs, my question is, is that money really, you know, getting to us because, you know, we're not hearing that much about it? The answer is yes. So uh, before, I, before I did all this, you know, I used to work, represent the National Banks Association, which was all the minority-owned banks in the country, and the vast majority of them are, Community Development Financial Institutions, or CDFIs, which by law, CDFIs, 60% of their financing has to go in the low and moderate income communities. They are a vastly underutilized tool in our financial system to get money to communities and entrepreneurs that need it, right? That's a quick, that's a quick deal. Yes, I mean, it kind of went under the radar that the vice president and folks announced that a, a capital investment program and just a straight up loan program that would flow from treasury CDFI fund is going to go to these minority owned banks, many of them are black owned banks and CDFIs to do small business lending in particular. Right. Um, and so if you are a, a black owned business, an entrepreneur in the country, find that, find that black owned bank either in your community or close to you because I can tell you, and I think folks saw this with PPP, right, was I got an account at Chase, but when I applied to get a PPP loan, they told me no. And I think a part of the reality is, look, if you're not a larger customer, they ain't really paying you that much attention. So you're always better served by going to a smaller uh, institution if you are a small business, because that's more relationship banking. And I think ultimately that's what you want. So yes, it's, it is, it, the money is flowing. Um, it was unveiled on December 14th, this new program. So the best advice I have for folks is go to the National Bankers website. I want to say it's nationalbankers.org. Find the minority-owned bank in your community or close to you. Um, and if you own a small business, talk to their small business person. Because I promise you, they talk to entrepreneurs like you every day. Uh, and they're not Wells Fargo, right? They, they, will, they will hear you out. Right. They doesn't guarantee that they're going to give you what you want, but they'll hear you out. So, yes. And they're highly incentivized to, to help you yes. figure it out too, to help you get the information that you need so that you can, maybe if you don't get it on the first time that you apply, that you come back with better information or better documentation or whatever Absolutely. the case is. They'll work with you. So I strongly encourage that. And they have money. They have new money. Uh, and they have, they have more money than they've ever had from treasury. Uh, and that's a good thing for everybody. 
that was a great question, Cabot. You did not take us off course because this is all about gathering knowledge here. Let's head over to Georgia and welcome in Samantha. You're on. Welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hey, y'all. We was talking, you all was talking about the BBB and mansion and all that. Um, and I'm pretty sure you all um, know that the voting right is yes. the most important. And so I don't, and don't get me wrong, I'm a new uh, grandmother, and I'm thinking about my daughter with child care, and I'm thinking about housing, and I'm thinking about all that good stuff that's in the bill and child tax credit, because I got two 15-year-olds, and when that money was coming in on the 15th, it really helped out with, uh, you know, things that they needed, but I could care less about that. If we don't get the voting right, it's almost just like saving a broke arm, but the person is brain dead or or is having a heart attack. Don't save the arm. Let's save the person. So if we don't if we don't get that voting rights, just like y'all was talking about the guy in North Carolina and all that redistricting, the bill back better won't even matter. It won't even matter. Jared, your, your thoughts, and thank you, Samantha, for that. And I just want to remind people, it's day 43, Joe Madison's on a hunger strike for voting rights. Um, 43 days this man has not eaten um, in protest for the Senate not passing it. I see you, Jared, shaking your head. Uh, your thoughts on what Samantha's saying? You know, I, 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 I understand the sentiment. I won't say it doesn't matter. You know, honestly, I try not to do false choices because we need everybody to do all of the above, right? Like, mm. we need infrastructure, we need Build Back Better, and we need voting rights, we need police reform, we need D.C. to be a state. I have about 38 things, if you ask me what <laughs> I need to do, it's pretty extensive. Um, to her point, I mean, we run into the same challenge, which is you got to get rid of the filibuster to do anything around voting rights because you can't use reconciliation and you don't have 10 Republicans to get the job done. So the question is, what's plan B? Right. Because I think at the end of the day, those votes aren't going to come. And Joe Manchin is actually with us on voting rights. He's actually tried to kind of do a compromise thing that didn't work out. So I think the, the, the burden really is on the, the Department of Justice. And if you don't have Section five of the Voting Rights Act around preclearance, which you've not had for years, then the question is Section two. And how much money are we spending in Section two that deals with all the violations around gerrymandering and so forth? So. They're real questions, right, about taking all of these maps to court, right, yeah. that this Department of Justice needs to be doing more aggressively and talking about it more vocally because the impression that people feel, and I live in Georgia, the impression that people feel is that these state legislatures do whatever they want and then nobody hears anything, right? And That's exactly how it feels. Right? Stacey Abrams is doing what she can with Fair Fight. You got Mark Elias doing things with the democracy docket. But I do think people need to see this Department of Justice, not only filing the cases, because that can get lost in the docket and people don't write about it. But it's like, when you file a case, you need to do a press conference on the courthouse steps. I think Absolutely. a lot of folks, they get mad at Ben Crump, you know, but Ben Crump's doing God's work. But the, the reason why Ben Crump is effective is because you know where he is, right? And at the end of the day, one of the conversations that we have on the show is, people don't know what this administration is doing, right? And I think they got we got to go beyond what's on the website. You got to put it in people's faces, right? That we are prosecuting the state of Georgia. Like we are suing them. We are on the steps. Like you got to dramatize some of this work that you're doing because people don't see it. But I think ultimately this work is going to be in the in 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 Department of Justice. Texas has maps right now 
that put Sheila Jackson Lee and Al Green in the same district. What? You kill the CBC off like that's how you kill that's how you kill the CBC, right? Is you start to merge wow. their districts, right? Or you write them out. North Carolina write them out. Texas they're joining them. You're seeing this happen across the country in these wow. state legislatures. And again, that's that work where every map needs to go to court. It used to be that way with preclearance where certain states like Texas, like North Carolina had to go through section five preclearance. Well, guess what? You don't have a Supreme Court anymore. Literally all you have is a Department of Justice. And ultimately those cases are gonna go to Supreme Court where you're looking at six, three minority. So your only bet, right? is to get a Department of Justice that's doing that work around voting rights. Um, and unfortunately, we got to organize around the prohibitions. And I know nobody wants to hear that because we voted last time for all this stuff to not be not be dealing with that stuff. But like voting ain't a destination. You got to do it like you got to get gas in your car and change your mm -hmm. tires. You got to do this on a regular basis to get the basics. And I know it's exhausting. Like we're, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted thinking about all the people I got to talk to who are like, I ain't voting no more, right? Like that's a real conversation that my friends call me about. And I'm almost tired of being like, you know what, bro? I get it. Like I'm almost at that point because it's getting harder and harder to defend what, not even defend, explain what we're doing in Washington because it looks like not much, but that's what we're there to talk about. But the things that are happening they might not happening at the pace we want. And they're not talking to us, I think, in ways that we want. And folks are kind of, folks are just, it's, it's an unfortunate situation that I think we're going to have to fix soon, or it's going to yeah. be really dark. Jarrett Lodeholt, J-A-R-R-O-D as in David Lodeholt. You can follow him there on Twitter. Uh, Drew McCaskill. That's easy to spell. You can follow him as well on Twitter at Drew McCaskill. Let's head over to New Jersey. Elliot has a question for you, Jared. Welcome, Elliot. Hello. How y'all doing? Um, Good. Jared, I have one question. Good. You uh, mentioned the procedure on the Build Back Better bill that uh, yeah. Manchin sort of like has a problem with, something yeah. like that. But my yeah. question would be, was it just uh, negligent on – the DNC staff or whoever put that bill through, knowing that how picky and how, you know what I mean? Like, we can't afford yeah. to put yeah. bills through in a sloppy way or not the right procedure when they're looking at everything. That was my question. Yeah. So, no, I think ultimately what we were up against was a time crunch where, like, you only get so many days on the legislative calendar. I think a lot of folks may not know. Members of Congress go home often. <laughs> Uh, and they're not there, right? And so they can only vote when they're there. So they only have so much time and they're doing debt sealing, they're doing all these other things. So the legislative process can get a little sloppy where you're throwing things together quickly, right? And ultimately you want things done the year before an election cycle because next year Congress is gonna do even less legislating than they did this year because they're gonna be campaigning for their lives or yeah. to flip out. So you want everything done in a year right? And you want it done in this year. So I think the mansion deal is this, right? Like he says something, but I don't always know if that's the actual reason. Um, I think in the Senate, they did want committees to come and whittle it down. Because I think something we don't talk about is we talk about mansion, mansion, mansion. There are actually a handful of moderate Democratic senators who kind of align with him, but they don't want the smoke of the public scrutiny that comes with it. 
Manchin's all right with it, right? I yeah. think it actually helps him in West Virginia. Yeah. Um, but he doesn't speak alone, right? Like there are other people who don't want to touch that filibuster either. And they're Democrats. And I think that's actually a space where folks need to spend a little bit more time. I'm not gonna name names. Um, but I, they're there, right? It's a Kirsten thing. Cinema, what about her? I mean, so she's actually not mentioned and hear her ass come talking about well, she's I need a uh, lipstick like, provision. There, there are a number of moderate senators who don't want the filibuster change. And I mean, look, at the, at the end of the day, we know we don't have the votes. Even AOC folks have conceded it. But at least, all right, fine. We need to go to a talking filibuster. Like, if you're going to yeah. filibuster, you're going to have to stay there all night. And you're going to have to prove to people how much you don't want this. We can't have the threat of a filibuster be an actual filibuster. So at, at a minimum, we need to force people to do to, it. To right? filibuster. Like, to, yeah. If you're gonna do to it, strap on them sneakers and that diaper yeah. and, and, and yep. go for it. Right. Yeah, Look, I don't think they have the stamina. 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 What's the word? I don't know why we won't do that. I think that is a that is the least we can do, right? To to modify the filibuster, and I think you actually will get some progress. But no, I don't think any blame lies on anybody. I think more or less, Manchin has a number of things he doesn't like. Like he doesn't like the child tax credit being the way it is structured in this bill, right? I actually think for him, he says he wants to expand it, but he wants it paid for. Well, the bill pays for it in that one year. I think Manchin's point is y'all know y'all gonna keep extending this. So how are you gonna keep paying for it? My, our, I think a lot of folks answer is, well, we'll pay for it when we get there. Like everything yeah. else that we Like do, everything else we do in government we'll at the national we level. Right, we, and, and so some of the stuff I think is a little disingenuous, but I think at the end of the day, he didn't say, I'm never gonna ever vote for anything like this. I think what he said was, I'm not voting for that bill out of the house, which is not a surprise. And I think that means that they're gonna have some version of a very mansion-esque build back better and it'll probably be in the closest to the 1.5 which is what he said in january he wanted to see it's our understanding that there's a 1.8 ish outline you're gonna see something drop by about 300 million and you're gonna get to 1.5 trillion i think that's where you'll ultimately be now what those details are i don't know but i do think there's certain provisions that are too popular to cut out i think the medicare stuff is too popular yeah i think those things are too popular so I think the, the education, okay. you know, that those are things that are too popular, I think. Let's take last call, and then I'll let you go, Jared, and thank you for your time. Um, of it's $300 billion. Steve in New York, welcome to the Karen Hunter Show. Hi. Steve. Thank, thank you, yes, and, and good afternoon to all of you. Hi. <clears throat> so my question is this, and, and you've talked close to it, almost around it, but here's my question. Why don't they dissect this bill and take the what you're saying are the popular uh, positions, the, the positions, I should say, in the bill and make them vote on those things individually. Let, let's, let the senators come out and, and say to their toothless constituents, um, gee, uh, I don't want you to have dentures <clears throat> or I don't want you to have insulin or your child could go to junior college for free, but I'm not going to vote for that for whatever reason. And, and, and let them stand up. There's too much cover. There's too much camouflage for Manchin. And, you know, apparently no one really knows what he really wants. So if you I, vote I like these that. things I like through, that idea, Steve. We, we, I want to let Jared go, but, you know, yeah, have the itemized list. 
till we get to the number was it 1.5 trillion or 1.7 trillion yeah. uh and like move things over on the ledger you know it's like we all agree on this okay let's move that over we can all pass this okay let's move this one over okay that gives us to what 600 billion okay let's move this yeah. one over now we got to a trillion all right what do we have left over here that we can all agree i like that idea steve what what are the, what are the possibilities of that happening jared so you're gonna, y'all are going to hate my answer um but Yes, I like that too, right? If, if I were Chuck Schumer, that's what I would do. And I think Senator Sanders would agree with you. And I think there are other members of the Democratic Senate Congress who are like, yep, let's do that. The, pro- the, the reason why you won't see that is you have other Democrats who are not named Joe Manchin, who are not named Chuck Schumer, who have tight races this year, right? And there's some provisions they may want to vote on a big thing and have you kind of guess whether they're for it or not, uh, any individual provision, as opposed to breaking things out, where some people may say, oh, look, I'm in a competitive race in, I'm gonna throw a state out there, Ohio. Ohio has lots of coal in it. I would vote for the big bill because there are lots of things I can point to that I did vote for, but the thing I voted against, climate, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> Somebody may, that could be a thing that could be in a campaign. Now, again, I'm totally with the caller personally. My personal opinion is, yeah, put a voterama. They call them voteramas, where if you go on the Senate count, it's like 100 things on there, and they got to vote on all 100, right? I don't think it's a terrible idea, but I think why you won't see that is you're going to put maybe Maggie Hassan out of New Hampshire. There are going to be some things that she might want to vote for this, or like she may not want to be on a record voting for the immigration thing because she's going to get you know, heat from the, from the left nationally, oh, but in God. New Hampshire, folks might be with her. So, I mean, there's those, there are those calculations, but I think these things are not off the table. What you will see is I think Chuck Schumer will put a symbolic vote on the floor that mm-hmm. Van, that Manchin will vote no on, because I think there's some people who think there's value in that. I, I don't Yeah, but see we still that. don't know what he stands for, to Steve's point. He's still, I think he still stands no transparency. For, I think he stands for a smaller bill that he likes that takes things out that he doesn't like that's in the house pass version, <laughs> which I think are probably the climate provisions and maybe even some of the taxes that are in there. Right. So I think it'll be the size, make it closer to the, the infrastructure package, which was 1.2. Now, again, we can find $6 trillion worth of problems in the country that need to be fixed, but we can only pass 1.2. And so I think you'll probably see something closer to in that 1.2 to 1.5, but I don't think you're going to see anything in that 1.75, but yes, this thing is shrinking, right? Like, it's like when you cook spinach and you buy the big bag, <laughs> and you're like, man, I'm going to eat good today. And you cook for five minutes and you can put all the spinach in your pocket. I think that the bill back better is going to be a lot like a bag of spinach where you thought you had something really fantastic and it's still spinach. It's still good for you, but it's not as much spinach as you thought you were going to have. Okay. And I love that analogy. <laughs> uh, please, please come back as often as you like, sir, as often as you can. You, you are amazing. Jared Lodeholt. Hey, this is Karen Hunter. You can listen to the Karen Hunter Show live every Monday through Friday at 3 p.m. East on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.